I am an uncommon church builder. I am leading second. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Leading Second Podcast. My name is Brandon Stewart. I'm so glad you're here today. Welcome to our weekly installment of leadership for anyone who leads but is not in charge. In fact, here at the Leading Second Podcast, we're on a mission, as we say every week, to raise up uncommon church builders and be the kind of leaders that our pastors would absolutely kill to have on the team. Well, we just have a few episodes left of season one of the podcast. And uh, if you're new to the podcast, I'm so glad you found your way here. I hope you'll binge listen all of the episodes that we have here for you and join us for um, the next few weeks as we bring to you every Thursday a um, bit of perspective and wisdom for your journey as you lead on a team in a local church. Man, I just counted an honor we get to do this with you every single week. So welcome back. Um, I'm talking to you today from Houston, Texas. I'm here for a couple of days in between some ministry and we're doing some creative work uh, regarding the future of Leading Second. So uh, hello from Texas. Houston is our home away from home and we love any chance we get to come and be in uh, this area. So as is our custom here at the podcast, every week we take a question and we receive those on the Leading Second Forum on Facebook and also by email. If you have a question, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, You can email us at leadingsecond at churchforward.co or direct message us on Instagram. And today's question actually came into us via Instagram. And so uh, we don't have our usual audio recording of it, but I just wanted to grab it and talk about it for a second. We recently received this question. Uh, Someone wrote to us, what would you say to an aspiring second chair leader? What would you say to an aspiring second chair leader? I, I stopped and I thought about this question for a second. And honestly, the first uh, response that came into my mind was, well, this entire podcast is a response to an aspiring second chair leader. And man, we're just doing our best every single week to pour out thoughts for you. But then the word aspiring caught my attention. And I started thinking that the author of this question and maybe others listening um, would be thinking this, that the word aspiring means maybe you don't think you are a second chair leader yet. And so I wanted to dive into something really fast here because this really hit me. Um, I think it's easy to assume when we hear words like leading second or second chair leader, it's easy to assume that that's just for someone like the executive pastor at the church or that's just for the campus pastor or that's just for someone that is a direct report to their pastor. And I actually wanted to bust that myth today. Because we didn't start leading second just to equip and talk to and train those who actually report directly to their pastor or who might lead the entire church on their pastor's behalf. Uh, Whether or not you are a direct report to your pastor, you are still leading second. In fact, the name leading second is meant to be a dichotomy, and it's just meant to refer to anyone who's not first. 
And so if you're not first to me, you're second. And uh, you might be even a ways down the org chart, but no matter what your position, what your title, uh, what your function, I believe we're all leading second. Uh, so don't let that word second trip you up. Also, the, the, the word and the term leading second also refers to a condition of the heart. In other words, a leader that leads second, leads selflessly, leads deferred to someone else. And so I just wanted to, I guess, just pause and give that perspective in regards to our name and our mission here at Leading Second, no matter where you find yourself in the life of your church, I believe you are leading second. Now, getting back to the question, what would you say to an aspiring second chair leader? In other words, someone who's maybe believing God for more and uh, believing God to use them in more and more significant ways within their church. Here's what I would say to you today. Just one simple thought. In fact, this is being stolen from Chris Brown on one of our previous episodes. I would just simply say this, crush your job description today. Crush your job description today. In other words, something is in your hands that you can be faithful over today. So often with young leaders, I find the tension where we're believing God for more and expecting God for more. And it's like all we can think of is the more. We obsess on what's next and we think about future promotion. I think sometimes we forget that the gateway to future promotion is faithfulness and fruitfulness in our current role. So crushing your job description today, man, it may not be the biggest thing. It may not totally match your strengths. It may not totally match your Enneagram. I mean, you know, whatever the case may be, you might have all kinds of imperfections going. I just want to encourage you to crush your job description today and let that be the thing that unlocks your aspirations for what's next. So I hope that helps you today. Uh, if you have a question that you'd like to hear us answer here on the podcast, I'd encourage you to uh, DM us on the Leading Second Forum on Facebook or communicate with us on email, social. Uh, let us know and we'd love to feature your question. All right. So without further ado, I am so excited for our conversation today. I recently had the great honor to sit down with a new friend of mine for a conversation, Lane Schranz from Church of the Highlands. Lane uh, was the first staff member with Pastor Chris Hodges at Church of the Highlands. And today he is an associate pastor and oversees the GROW Network. I have the highest respect for Lane, for his pastor, and for his church. And we had a great conversation recently that I want to bring to you. I want to encourage you to turn up the volume, uh, write down some things you're going to catch out of this. You're going to hear from one of the great second chair leaders in America today, uh, so here it is, without further ado, my conversation with Lane Schranz. The man, the myth, the legend, Lane Schranz. Uh, say what's up to everybody today, Lane. Hey, everybody. Hey, Brandon. Good to be with you. Hey, thanks so much for uh, jumping on here today for a few minutes and uh, joining us. And let me just say, uh, I have, have the highest respect for you uh, and the highest respect for your church and for your pastor, and um, I love everything you guys are doing for the kingdom in, in in so many ways. So first of all, just a huge thank you. Thank you to you, not only for your time today, thank you for, you know, all that you do. Oh, you're so welcome. It's my honor. I, I am uh, fortunate to serve under 
of course, what I believe the greatest pastor in, in the world uh, and uh, honored to get to share what we do anytime. So I love it. You know, and we're going to talk a little bit about that today, you know, and what all is is on your plate. But um, yeah, for, for those that, that aren't familiar, I would encourage you to not only, of course, take in anything that, that Church of the Highlands and Pastor Chris Hodges are, you know, um, are, you know, putting out to equip churches, but also the Grow Network is is, a, is one of the best um, resources in the nation, in the world uh, for new and existing churches. And I, we just, we love what you all are doing. Uh, to get us started today, tell us a little bit about you. Tell us a little bit about your family and uh, how you found yourself at uh, Church of the Highlands. Yeah, sure. Happy to. Uh, I was born and raised in the beautiful city of Colorado Springs, Colorado, uh, my my dad started a towing and recovery business when I was two years old. He also uh, bought himself a race car and started racing in the uh, the world famous Pikes Peak International Hill Climb. So I I say I grew up in the movie Cars long before Pixar ever existed. <laughs> I had a Mater in the driveway and McQueen in the garage and and uh, just grew up in that uh, uh, with my mom really dragging us to church every Sunday. So raised in a Christian home, uh, but re- was really raised. In, in a way that I, I really loved God, but I, I hated going to church. It was just miserable. It felt like the more painful the church experience was, the more holy we were. I don't, I don't know, but that's just the way it felt to me. Right, right. When my best friend in high school invited me to his youth group as a, as a junior in high school, and I, I visited uh, New Life Church in Colorado Springs at 17 years old, and for the first time saw other teenagers that loved God as much as I did experienced a life-giving church uh, in, in a new way and was immediately impacted uh, at that youth group. And the youth pastor at that point was actually Chris Hodges in his uh, wow. mid-20s. And uh, he was the uh, youth pastor there, worship pastor there, and associate pastor there, and, and had a great impact on my life from, I think, really from when I was 17 till I was about 22. And then he moved back to his hometown of Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And we just stayed in touch. I mean, that's, you know, the impact youth pastors have on you. Right. So he continued to tour me, lead me, pastor me, uh, even while he was across the country in Louisiana. In those years, I, I met my wife, Rachel, uh, who uh, was in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, which is where we got married uh, 22 years ago. And Pastor Chris came up from Baton Rouge to Hattiesburg and actually did our wedding. And wow. uh, we just stayed very close. So I was I was with them you know, in those early 20s and then separated from 22 to 29, basically. And when he shared what he was going to do when he was going to launch Church of the Highlands, he, he was actually traveling, speaking to different churches uh, throughout the country through the end of uh, the year 2000, trying to raise money to launch Church of the Highlands. He, he came through Colorado, stayed at our house and sat in our living room and shared the vision of Church of the Highlands. And and we uh, we had a, a baby that we had adopted, and we had just found out that in vitro had worked for us, and we found out that we were pregnant. When he's telling us this, you know, we're, we loved our church. I loved our towing business. I was running the, the towing business then for a nationwide corporation and uh, was highly involved in our church, was a licensed pastor. I didn't work at the church, but I was a licensed pastor. I had more students in my high school small group that I'd been leading for about 12 years than most churches have in their youth group. So I, I, I just thought everything was perfect. I'm sure I'm in the business world, but I'm doing ministry and love and life, baby on the way, uh, wonderful adopted daughter. And, uh, 
Pastor Chris is going to launch a church. Way to go. We support you. We're going to send you money. We're going to cheer you on. And uh, basically that night, for the next several nights, I couldn't sleep. All I was dreaming about was Church of the Highlands in Birmingham, Alabama. And if you've ever seen Colorado Springs, uh, you would never think that anyone living in Colorado Springs would dream about <laughs> Alabama. I wasn't and, going to uh, say anything, but yes, uh, I could see that. <laughs> That has to be God. And uh, so I called Pastor Chris several days of no sleep later and, and and explained what I just explained to you. And he laughed just like you did and, and said, well, God must be calling you here, but I can't, you know, I'd love to have you here on our team, but I can't pay you. Uh, uh, and so that just led to one conversation to another. And we just really felt like God was calling us to come to Birmingham and be a part of the launch. And because he was spending all the money he could raise on, you know, sound equipment and renting a high school and buying yeah. a little trailer to hold all every all the stuff. And we just decided that we would raise our support like missionaries. And so we we sold everything in Colorado. I transitioned out of the business and we moved to Birmingham in two thousand one and and uh, basically paid our own salary through raising support for the first year. And uh, Pastor Chris asked me to start all our student ministries, including a ministry school uh, that started out as an internship, which has now transitioned to Highlands College, which wow. has over a thousand students right, in it. Yeah. It started in my basement with 17 students. Uh, and uh, it's been an amazing, amazing journey. So uh, my my daughter uh, that was adopted was a year and a half old when we moved here. And, and my other daughter was born here. And so Highlands and Birmingham has been home for the last 17 and a half, almost 18 years. I love that. I, I love your story, and I love the story of your church. I mean, Church of the Highlands is, is just a miracle. Uh, you know, Ark Church Plant Number One, and uh, you know now today one of the not only you know largest and fastest growing, but certainly one of the most influential churches in the nation. Um, just a miracle. But I'm sure those days. In the early, you know, those early days didn't necessarily feel like that. I'm sure that it had the grind to it. In other words, uh, of of starting out and carving out something new. Oh, absolutely! It was a, uh, it was a, uh, it was fun. It was challenging. And looking back on it, I, I would say it was hard. But while we were in it, I don't remember it being hard. It w- it was uh, probably just something that God gives you a grace for. Absolutely. When you, when you plant a church and the and the amount of hours and and, and really finding your way, even as a leader, you know, it was the first time I'd ever been in ministry full time. And so, you know, just, just learning and, and growing, we didn't have offices, you know, till the church was over a year old. So we basically officed out of our house and Pastor Chris officed out of yep. his house. And those 17 uh, interns that first year in the ministry school were coming to my house four days a week. And uh, it, it was, it was just crazy. Wow. Uh, well, and, and it's not like things have slowed down today. So now today, you, you know, you've you've now been with the church for over 17 years and God's done what God has done. Um, what does your role look like today uh, on the team? So, yeah, I, I, the simplest way to put it is those first 10 years, I oversaw everything from babies through college, including Highlands College. Uh, and then uh, at, at about year 10, we transitioned the youth pastor who was reporting to me uh, to a peer level on our executive leadership team, mm. our, what we call our staff elders. And so he came up next to me and, and then he took over students through college. And then I focused on our campuses, 
which I was also overseeing during those years. We, we became a multi-site church about three years in. Mm, and, that's great. Uh, I was the first multi-site campus pastor, and then the second campus we opened, I was the campus pastor there. And then when we went to open a fourth, Pastor Chris removed me from being a campus pastor because I was still overseeing babies through college. Mm. And uh, and he wanted me just to oversee the process. So I've, I've been overseeing our campuses uh, for the last, I guess, that'd be 14 years or so. And so now my role is campuses, you know, existing ones, and then my job is any new campus development and the leadership pipeline of, of pastors that will become campus pastors. And then, and then that's my job within Highlands, and my job uh, outside of Highlands is leading Grow, which is how we resource and train existing churches on how we do church. Right. And so I just want everyone that's listening today, I guess, to to hear that. And, and I'm just going to ask you two or three big questions, you know, today around this. But what what I love most about Lane's story is the idea of starting with the church plant with vision in their heart, but the reality of a church plant. But then through God's faithfulness now, seeing you know, all that God has done, um, it's just amazing. And I, I want to ask you probably two or three big questions, Lane, about what I would consider to be some of the pillars. I mean, someone out there who's who's listening, who has equal dreams and wants to see God do something significant through their life and through their ministry, I think there's some keys, you know, we can we can unpack from this, you know, and take out of your story. So here, here's my first question for you. You've been at the same church now for 17 years. Um, what has staying planted in the same church for 17 years looked like for you? Um, I feel like we live in a very transient culture right now. So I feel like this is becoming a bit more of an uncommon trait. So so what has being planted meant to you and how have you stayed healthy? You know, one church, one pastor now for over, over 17 years. Well, I think uh, really the there's a theology behind it actually. And I think that, that God builds his kingdom relationally, not locationally. Yes. So I, I'm in Birmingham, not because of Birmingham. I'm in Birmingham because of Chris Hodges. I, I, if he would have planted a church in New Jersey, I'd live in New Jersey. If he planted in Florida, I'd be in Florida. If he planted Mm. in Nebraska, I'd be in Nebraska. Um, so, so God called me to, to serve him. And I, and I think if you really look at great relationships between staff and pastors, You'll usually see that dynamic, um, and then and then sometimes God will call someone in my position or your position, uh, you know, someone serving under a senior pastor to go become a senior pastor, and that's fine. And God could call me tomorrow, and I would do it. I'm not afraid of it. Right. But I just I just don't feel uh, like that's what I'm supposed to do. And we've had conversations, Pastor Chris and I have had conversations over the years because we are an ARC church and we plant churches and we talk about planting churches and we talk about leaders and developing leaders and we need more leaders uh, for the kingdom. I would sometimes just feel almost a pressure. Like I needed to go, go plant a church, not from him, but just the, the environment we're sure, in sure. You know, such a planting environment. And we'd have conversations and he would just always just remind me when we can do more apart than we can do together, then, then you should go plant. And, uh, and there's that, that moment has never come in these the 17 years. I know that I, I can serve him well and we can have a greater impact by me serving him, or I can have a greater impact by me serving him than I could on my own. And so that's part of it. I, I think that there's also the theology of sonship, you know, just, just truly being a son of the house and, 
and serving the house for the success of the house and um, the, the the inheritance that we live for that you read about in Colossians and Romans and right. Galatians that that inheritance is in heaven and and so I believe when he's up there preaching and people are getting saved that's my inheritance because this is my house and I don't have to be the one preaching the message to receive that inheritance and so I just I, I have that kind of view and I, I think that it came from being a, a son in a family business you know I never I never thought about starting my t- own tongue business because I knew someday I'd own the whole thing. Wow, well said. Um, and it and it and it so it doesn't it, it it doesn't translate any different to me. You know, I'm 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 not aspiring to 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 own Church of the Highlands. I just know that when we get to heaven, that we're all part of the same house. Yeah, extremely well said, and extremely well said. And I think another thing when I think of of you know going the distance and and being a part of the same house for. Um, as many years as you have. And of course, I've, I've grown up in my church. I, I would feel exactly toward my pastor the way that you just described, you know, toward Pastor Chris. Um, t- let's talk about your relationship with Pastor Chris uh, for a second. No doubt the relationship between a lead pastor and any of us that serve the lead pastor, that that relationship takes work. It's, it's a relationship that is built over time. And I'd love to hear you just talk about how you have built and maintained a great relationship with your senior pastor. What does that look like for you? Yeah, I think it's, it's a little difficult because I think a lot of people ask me that question and they want to apply my answer to their relationship with their pastor. And that's absolutely impossible because every person is different. You're different. They're different. The pastor's different than the, the associate, whatever. And so I have the advantage of basically 30 years of ministry influence. This coming February be 30 years Mm. that I walked into his youth group. And then the seven years we weren't in the same city, but he continued to mentor and lead me. So it's really he's been a spiritual leader in my life for 30 years. And that's that's irreplaceable. So I I would say there's not a whole lot of work uh, on our relationship because it's it's so longstanding. And uh, there's just a, a, a unbelievable amount of trust. I trust him implicitly. I, I trust his judgment. I trust his character. I trust his humility. And and I believe he trusts me as well. Uh, I, I think really the, the responsibility is not how I work, you know, on my relationship with him as much as how I respond to him uh, yes. with what yes. he needs. And, and really that comes down to being teachable, I think. I think the the influence or the responsibilities that I have are not because I have a talent or a skill set. I think it's because I've been teachable from day one and he is a teacher. If you listen to Pastor Chris teach a message, he's not a preacher, he's a teacher. And so he's, he is very good at helping you grow. Yep. And that, that translates to the office, to the Monday to Friday, uh, activities of the church. And so he's always teaching me, always developing me. And, and if you're a teacher and you have a, a student who doesn't apply what you're teaching them, you get frustrated and you'll find other students who will. And I, I, so I think I'm here talking to you today because I'm teachable, not because I'm talented. And, uh, and he is a great teacher, so he has helped develop me into a much better leader. That's, that's really good. And let me just, I guess, maybe even double down on this for a second. You mentioned that he's a teacher and that you've positioned yourself as teachable. Is there... A certain environment where you feel like you learned the most 
from him? I mean, was it was it by sitting in a certain meeting or was it just by being around his airspace? How and when have you, do you feel like you've learned the most from him? Oh, it's probably uh, it's probably in the moments of of leading. You know, he he is a I, I say Highlands. We have a high feedback culture, so uh, you're going to get feedback a lot, and you're going to get it often, and you're going to get it pretty quickly. Sometimes immediately, if it's appropriate. You know, he's not going to correct me in front of sure, yeah, eight people standing around at the front of the, the church between services. But in the, and when it's appropriate, uh, there's going to be feedback, and so. You know, over the years, you know, the first time he he missed a service at Highland, we were doing Wednesday nights in a in a living room, and it was the first service he was going to miss. So I was going to preach that night, and we recorded it on cassette. If you can remember those days, oh yeah, uh, oh yeah. Uh, and I was uh, able to, you know, talk about my adopted daughter and the adoptive love of a father, and people were in, packed out in this living room, about 120 people, and. They were amening. They were crying. They were hugging me afterwards, telling me what a great message it was, how awesome it was, how it impacted their life. You know, you always have that one person that's like, that's the best message I've ever heard. Right. And so I was so proud to, to give him the cassette and just say, hey, I'd love for you to listen to this. And and, I, and I, of course, what I said to him is, I want you to tell me what I can do better. But what I really want from him is to say, <laughs> I'm proud of you. That was amazing. Right, right. Yeah. And that's what I'm expecting because of the feedback I was getting during the message and after the message, I was expecting him to be like, man, you knocked it out of the park. That was amazing. And so we, we met the next week and uh, I can't remember where we met. We, I think it was in his house cause we still didn't have an office or maybe we had just, yeah, I think that's where we were. Uh, maybe at a coffee shop. I don't know. And he had a notepad and he opened up the notepad and I saw my points on there and I'm like, Oh man, I, I was so good that he took notes, you know, that's all. <laughs> well, he, he took notes. All right. Every bit of his notes were everything that I did wrong in that message. And it started in my opening. I mean, he just corrected every part of my message. That is awesome. At, at one point, I remember him saying, you can never say that. That's not even biblical. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm like, oh, my goodness. I mean, it just correction never feels good, but it always makes you better. And so uh, if you're willing to let it and. And I think most of us would rather have a cheerleader than we would a coach. Wow. Uh, I, 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 I'm and, and I honestly, emotionally, I would rather have a cheerleader. I would rather have you tell me how awesome I am and what a great job I'm doing. But if I'm going to grow to the next level, if I'm going to be a part of an organization that's going to have global influence, that's not OK. And that's not going to get me there. So I'm thankful that I have a leader that will correct and give feedback and and help me grow. And it, it hasn't changed. I mean, he, he's, you know, I wish I could tell you I've been here 17 years, so I never get corrected. And that's not true. Hmm. I, I hope first of all, that every lead pastor or if any lead pastors are listening to this, I mean, I think, I hope the first thing you hear is just the idea of, of a high feedback culture. I think that is so important. I, I I've heard that about great companies. I've, I feel like I've seen it at great churches um, and just the importance of, of giving feedback, even giving the tough feedback, but then there's also a responsibility for all those who, of us who are in the second chair, there's a responsibility to, um, receive it well and to be unoffendable in those moments and be Teflon, you know, when it comes to offense and we may want a cheerleader, but when we get a coach, 
still receive it that way. Absolutely. Let me ask you this and kind of start landing the plane here. Um, so you started with Church of the Highlands and it was a church plant. So there was, you know, it was in its earliest and smallest days. And in 17 years, God has taken this church and grown it and allowed it to become, you know, one of the largest and fastest growing churches in the nation, which therefore means the what's been expected of you, no doubt, has increased many times over. You know, your capacity, I'm sure, as a leader today, you know, would be, you know, much greater than in those early days. So let me just ask you about you for a second. What commitments have you made along the way just to just to grow yourself as a leader? You know, I, I like to think of it like this you know, for those that are leading in large churches. It's not like, you know, you've ever been a part of a church this size, you know, that this is sort of the first time for for you probably in this season and what it's looked like. But yet you've you've obviously committed to being a growing leader and being a leader that could handle what came your way. So just talk to us about growing your own capacity as a leader for a bit and what that's been like for you. Well, I think, uh, I, I think I'm, I'm part of it. It's, it's purely because I have such a growing pastor who, who loves growing leaders and growing himself. All I have to do is stay teachable. And I've been growing for 17 years. I, I don't know that I've had to put any other focus. Of course, mm. I, I, I listen to podcasts. I, I don't read a lot. I do a lot of audiobook. Uh, sure. but, but, it, but I, but to me, that's a small portion of my learning. So my, most of my learning is being teachable underneath my pastor. And then the other part of it is a culture he's developed set in place here at Highlands from the very beginning. When there was three of us on staff, when there was 30 of us on staff, he's always said that every one of us need to know three people in America that do our job better than we do it. Mm. And so I'm constantly in relationship with my peers at churches that do things better than we do it. And, and we, we meet together and we have conversations. We text each other. I'll call them. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm so thankful for my relationship with Bobby Grunwald and Sam Roberts yeah. and Jerry Hurley at Life Church. And, and I'll call each one of them for different reasons, but they are, uh, they don't know this, but they're mentors to me because sure. they're way out ahead of us. Uh, and, and they're doing things that we want to learn from. And, and I'm thankful for other relationships at other churches, Hillsong, North Point, like yep. you name, there's so many great churches. And so we're, we're all of our staff is always learning from other people. And there are churches that are, are being planted by ARC that are a year old or six months old or six years old that we are learning from. So it has nothing to do with the size of the sure, church. Absolutely. Uh, a lot of times you go to these new church planners, they, they've got a lot more motivation to be innovative and creative and, and they have a lot less resources and they're coming up with some amazing things. And so our, our team is well aware of that. So we're, we're trying to stay in touch with not just big, big churches, but with, with small innovative churches that are doing things that we're not, that we can learn from. So good. So good. Um, as one of my final questions, um, for anyone who is listening to you today, who is in um, the second chair themselves, they're, they're serving their pastor. This is just an open-ended question. What What's just something on your heart that you would say to someone who is listening right now and is in the second chair serving their pastor? What, what's something you'd want them to hear from you as we close? I think 
this it really applies to second chair, you know, like third chair, who cares, whatever level, if you're a, a new hire on a big church staff and you're number 200 on the on the depth chart or the seniority list or whether whether, you know, you are a true executive pastor in a second chair, irregardless of of all of that, I think that as a Christian, I think our greatest calling is to live our lives for the success of someone else. And so my job, my responsibility as a Christian and a leader and a pastor is to help Chris Hodges be successful. Uh, but then it's also not the, the vertical relationship to the, to the person above you, but it's also horizontally. So Mark Pettis, who is the president of Highlands College and oversees our students that used to work for me, is now a peer. He's 10 years younger than me, but we serve at the same level in the organization. And I feel a deep responsibility to help him be successful. I don't need the credit. I don't need I don't need anything. I just want to help him succeed. But then also the people under me, the 18 uh, campus pastors um, or 19, sorry, campus pastors that work under me, I want them to be successful. And so I don't. I don't, I don't need a stage. I don't need a, a magazine article. I just need to help them be successful. And then I think if you're living your life for the success of everybody around you, it's just amazing how God's uh, economy works. Then you That's end right. up successful yourself. And, and so just investing in, in people, uh, makes it all work and it keeps your heart pure. And I mean, it, it, it never feels good to be corrected or disciplined, but if you keep your heart in that posture, that's yeah, right. You'll be blessed. So well said. Um, okay, my final question. This is like three different closes to a message here, but uh, my <laughs> my my final question is just simply this: Why why do you love the local church? Uh, what what is it about the local church you love? I mean, I love people. I, I love seeing God uh, change lives. I, I know we we hear the phrase, you know, the local ch- church is the hope of the world. It's easy to say that when when uh, that's where you work and that's what you get up to do every day. It'll make you feel better about yourself if you're part of the hope of the world. What I, I love that Pastor Chris says, and, and we live for here at Highlands, is that we actually believe that the, the mobilized local church is the hope of the world, that, mm. that it's not just about gathering and being, but, but we've, got a, we've, we've got a purpose, we've got a mission, we've got to be mobilized, we've got to get out there and reach the lost and uh, and that's what I love about the local churches is really what what does God care about the most? And it's the people. That's right. It's, it's the one, not the ninety nine. And uh, and I love being a part of church that cares about the one. That's right. Well, hey, a big thank you to you. I mean, not only for a few minutes of your time today, I just want to say again, a big thank you to you for all you do for the kingdom. Thank you for all you do for grow. Thank you for the plane flights and the the trainings and the meetings and the unseen moments. Um, I just I've personally interacted with many many churches and many many leaders who are better uh, because of what you do. So just a big thank you to you to give honor where honors due today, and um, we love you. We are some of your your biggest cheerleaders. Well, I appreciate the opportunity, man. I'm I'm honored to be on this team and happy to serve in any way that I can. All right, God bless, Lane. If this podcast has resonated with you, we would love to hear from you. I'd encourage you to uh, head over and join the Leading Second Forum on Facebook. Join our community. We would love to do life with you. I also want to encourage you to subscribe to the podcast, to leave a rating, comment, share. Let someone 
who may not know about the podcast know about it. We'd love if you would uh, share it and join us for the last few episodes of season one as we uh, wrap up this journey of having some great conversations with great second chair leaders. Well, until next time, just know, Leading Second, we love you. We're praying for you, believing God for you. Let's run strong for the kingdom and lead in an uncommon way together. <laughs>